book of Acts. And we're moving into something that um, uh, I'm going to be talking about for the next few weeks. And it's something um, that just, the Lord just said, stop and talk about this. You know, and I was, you know, you know me sometimes. Once I get set and I'm going a direction and know the Lord wants it, there better be a good reason not to go that direction. And, um, and so I felt like I had to go this direction. Praise the Lord. Knowing the 12 whys you go to church. Knowing why you do what you do. You know, uh, there's a Christian father. Uh, has two grown sons. He just had a conversation with them recently. You know, when dad says, hey, we need to talk. I want you both to come in here and let's sit down. Uh, that's not quite like it when your mother says we need to talk. Right? <coughs> Uh, you, you're not necessarily coming to Jesus. You're not having a coming to Jesus conversation. A lot of times you're having a, a butt-kicking conversation, right? When dad says, we need to talk to son, right? And so he set his two sons down, and he said, hey, we just need to talk. I'm your father, and if anybody can talk about this, your father can talk with you about this. You're raised in the church. You're adult men, but you're not going to church. You're not attending, and I need to know why. And I want to find out why. God wants you in church, and you aren't there. You know? Now, they were raised Southern Baptist, and maybe the boys thought we can go to Bedside Baptist, and that's good enough. Right? But, uh, no. He goes, why aren't you going? Well, you know what the guys answered? And it was an honest answer, because they have a good relationship. They answered back... We're young adult males. Why would we want to go to church? I mean, we don't really get anything out of it. We just show up, we sing some songs, we do this, we do that, and then we leave, and we go out to lunch. Why, why does it matter that we go to church? Oh, man. Man. Does that fire me up. Oh, my gosh. To hear, and, and it did, it fired his dad up. To think that these young men had been raised in the church all those years and had gone Sunday upon Sunday and upon Sunday, but didn't have a reason why they should be there and didn't think it had any value to be there. They had absolutely no idea. How can you be in a church and have no idea what does it mean to be in church. But it can happen, can't it? Maybe some of you were the same way. I can remember going to church at different times with different friends growing up, and they had no idea what it meant to be in church. It was just to screw around with your friends, pass notes, make it through, and then go fishing afterwards or out to lunch. That's all it was. It was just something that, it was just your duty. You just... You checked the box, you went in, you got done, God was happy, you're, going, you're probably going to heaven still, you're okay. And that's kind of how they looked at it. It had no real meaning, no real purpose. And so it's easy to understand why you wouldn't go if it's just that. You know, I heard a statistic this last week, and, and I don't always listen to the radio that much, but I do some, and, and uh, I heard it, and it said 80% of people who go to church, the only exposure they have to the Word of God 
is when the preacher preaches a message on Sunday morning. That's it. That's it. 80%. That's their only exposure to the Word of God. Folks who say, we believe in Jesus, we want to follow Jesus. And then a person got on and said, you know what? I don't know the Bible very well. And uh, I, don't, I don't read it all as much as I should. But I feel like I know the way God wants me to live. And so I live that way. Well, there again, you know, me, I'm going to have honest reactions. I was like, <laughs> you feel? I'm a real feeling person. I'm a super passionate person. Oh, my gosh, if, if there's anybody who's feeling, my name would be next to it. I'm a feeler. But you need to know why you're doing what you're doing. You need to know why you're feeling what you're feeling. How do you know you're living the right way? If you don't know what God has said, you don't know his word, you don't know his will, you're not basing it on any foundation other than just a, a feeling. People would call that foolish, huh? Feelings are so important, they are, and you've got to have feelings. But our, our faith has to be founded on a firmer foundation than just feeling. It's got to be feelings that are tied to truths and tied to a foundation. You build these great, beautiful things from a foundation that's solid, and it's solid in the truth. So I want to ask you again today, do you know why you come to church each Sunday? Do you? And it's okay if you don't. You're not alone. Do you know why it's important to be in a small group on a regular basis? It's okay if you don't know that. Do you have clear reasons or motivations for why you go to church? Why you connect with other believers in small groups? Is it clear to you? And is it acceptable for you to have been in the church as long as you've been in the church and still not have an answer to why? And still have no motivation to do it? Right? No motivation. Is it okay? Sometimes it takes a decade. Sometimes it takes 20 years to finally realize something. I get that. I've learned and grown in my faith all along, and I want to still keep learning and growing, and so do you. But where are we at this morning? Some of our fellow believers, both young and old, they don't know why they attend church gatherings. I don't, you, know, you just happen to show up here because you thought somebody told you you better show up. Or they wanted you to come. And so, but you're not really sure why. You don't know what God's word has to say about it. Um, and so, if you don't have outside influence, you may not even come. You might not show up, or you might not engage. And there's many of us who, because we don't have enough pressure, that's why we don't go to a small group. There's not enough pressure to go. Because we don't have really any motivation within of why it's important to be there. So for some reason... Even though we preach about it and talk about it, and we have some good times, <coughs> for some reason, some of our brothers and sisters aren't aware that there are at least 12 things, and get this, that a believer cannot do. There's at least 12 experiences that you cannot know. There's at least 12 commands or values of God that you can't, you can't obey or live out unless you're actively assembling with the church body regularly. That means you're going to church 
for worship each Sunday. That means you're engaged in a small group. And, and, and by the way, I'm just going to say this. We stream our, our, our worship service. Sitting online is not going to church. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Viewing the service online is not worshiping in the church. It's not. Even though we have it. We have it as a way to connect with people who can't make it here because of, of, of reasons like sickness or illness or, or work or things. Because sometimes there's just reasons you can't be here. I get that. But that's what it's for. It's not to rely upon as worship. Now, I want you to know this list started as a top ten list. But things are cheaper by the dozen. Therefore, there's 12. There's actually many more. I thought about putting 13 in there, kind of a, a baker's dozen, but uh, I didn't, okay? I just kept it a dozen. And you know me, I'm a little German as it comes, so I can be a little verbose because I want you to get it. Um, there's many more. But this morning, we're going we're gonna to start with 12. And these following 12 things, these following 12 experiences, these following 12 commands and values, I want you to know are all commanded by the Lord. They're all in the Bible. And I'm just going to bounce across them today. Because I want you to go look at them, and then I'm going to come back and maybe kind of go deeper into them, each of them. And, and so they're set up in fours, so you can write them down if you want to and put the scripture by it. But, but you can add many other scriptures by it as well. The majority of these 12 reasons, again, are this. They're about what you do. That's the reason you come to church. It's what you do. They're much more about that than what you get. So I hope you didn't show up here hoping to get a whole lot unless you wanted to do a whole lot. Because it's about what you do. These things are from Scripture. And they're about what you give. And I hope you came ready to give much more than what you benefit from. You will get, you will benefit, but it's because of what you, you give and what you do. And so primarily, they speak primarily to your practice, not to what you receive. It's your practice. Coming to church is practice. It's where you practice your faith. It's where you live it out. It's where you, wherever your faith is this morning, and we're all in different places, it's where you start and you grow it and you push it. So we're like a bunch of people at the Y. Some of us have got the headband on and we're, we're lifting the big heavy weight, we're grunting and screaming, and others are over <coughs> with the stretch bands, going, should I even pick up a weight, right? But you're still exercising and you're practicing. And that's what being in church is about. Okay? So let's talk about some of these, these commands, these values, these experiences. Here's the first one. The Bible commands us 11 times in the Bible to love one another. One reference is John 13, 34. But there are many others. If you want to know <coughs> what it means to love Read the, the small letter, 1 John. <coughs> it's a small book. You can read through it easily in one setting, but if you don't read the Bible, it might feel daunting 
to read the whole thing. I was encouraged as a young follower of Jesus. Yes, thank you. I was encouraged as a young follower of Jesus um, after a time when I showed some of my true colors that I was still working through uh, to read that book once a day for a month, 1 John. I know that might blow you away, but I did it in high school. And I began to see that I didn't always, I wasn't always practicing love to other people. Uh, I was practicing justice <laughs> sometimes, or getting the record straight instead of love. And it brought me into a deeper love and a deeper understanding of God's love. Um, read that book. Read 1 Corinthians. Now, you know who's bringing me my water. Thank you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> or, or deer. I called him honey or deer last time he brought me water. Brock looks like a honey or deer, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, we're to love one another. Just think about that for a moment. I'm coming to church on Sunday because I'm going to come to love people. How do I practice the loyalty of love? You know that loyalty is one of the most important words that are in the definition of love? Loyalty means I can have a knockdown drag out with Grant, fight with him, but when it's over, we remain connected. And we remain in love with each other. And our relationship is there. It's honest, it's real, but I'm loyal to him, and he's loyal to me. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Or brothers in the Lord, not sisters. And because we are family, too. Son and dad. We're loyal to each other. How can you practice loyalty? How can you practice love, which is love and action? Because love is about action. How can you, how do you spell love? What did you learn in some of your parenting classes? T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. Time. And you don't get quality time unless you have quantity time. It'll, you'll never get that quality that you want out of life and that quality love unless you have quantity time, right? It'll never be there. And so how do you practice that if you're not in church? How do you practice this command to love one another? If you're not there regularly, you're not spending time. And so you can't be loyal, and you can't love in action. You can't love that way, and you miss it. So that's the very first thing I want to tell people sometimes. Go, how do you fulfill God's number one command? To love. You need to be loved, and you need to love, and you need to give, and this is about what you're doing. You're not a victim. You're a son, and you're a daughter, and you're a victor in the name of Jesus. So, love. Go love. And it will be returned to you. Number two, be devoted to one another. <coughs> devotion means devotion. Committed. Be devoted. Number three, <coughs> honor one another above yourself. How do you do that? How do you honor others above yourself if you're not present? See, it, it, it's, you're unable to do it. Be devoted. Honor others above yourself. And finally, number four, live a lifestyle of confession. Because we're called in the Bible in, in James 5 
confess your sins to one another and be healed. How many of you out there feel like you sin weekly? Okay, the rest of the people aren't telling the truth. Okay? So, who do you tell the truth to? Where do you confess? The Bible says confess your sins to one another and be healed. What it means to confess is to speak the same as what really is. Who do you tell the truth to? So that it can be out and Jesus can heal you and you can repent of it and be free of it. The Bible says that the sin that so easily entangles us, as we run our race and live our lives, we all run into sin and we need to unload it and offload it. Are you carrying a lot of baggage? Or are you coming and offloading it to others? Living a lifestyle of confession, forgiveness, mutual submission out of honor for Christ, Ephesians 5. How do you do that if you're not present? How do you do that? See, you can't do that. I need some of you to forgive me at times. And I need you to show up to do that. Especially if I've offended you or I've hurt you in some way. One thing you can be guaranteed of, and I'm here to tell, and I don't know, I know we got some, some friends coming for the first time here this morning, is um, if you're in a church and coming to a church, I'm just here to tell you, you're going to be hurt even in this church. I'm sorry. Anytime you get people together, people are people. And they're in process. And we don't even know how we run into each other. We, we're not even clue, clued into that because our blind spots won't allow us to be because we're still growing in Jesus. So anytime you're together, you're there, but we're called to forgive each other. We're called to work it out. We're called to love and be loyal to one another. We're called to honor one another above ourselves. That means I don't assume that what you did to me, I have the true story about it. That means I go to you to find out and we work it out together. See, it's about what you do, don't you see? How do we do these things if we're not together? <coughs> and all of a sudden, you see that this is the primary way that Jesus is trying to make disciples. The Bible says he told his disciples, go and make disciples at the end of Matthew, in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you, and baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll be with you until, you, you know, until the coming age. I'll be with you. How, how do you make a disciple? This is how. You make them in the church over time. Over time. As you and I learn to love unlovable people. And people that are different from us sometimes are a challenge for us to love. Where we're devoted to one another and learn to be devoted where we learn to honor one another above ourselves, where we learn to confess our sins and be open and honest about it, and then to forgive, and then to mutually submit out of honor for Christ, where we can actually work together in teamwork. Wow. You become a disciple. Do you see? It's, it's what you do. Did you know that's what, what you were coming to do when you showed up here today? Did you know there was that much to do? Man, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of people that need love in here. There's a lot of people that need your devotion here. A lot of people that need your honor here. There, there are people that need to hear your story and maybe be encouraged by it or, or need to be forgiven by you. There's a lot to do here. That's why you came. 
Oh my gosh, there's a lot to do. I got to show up every Sunday or else I'm going to even have more to do. All right. There you go. You've got part of it. You just got four. You get eight more. It's going to be real cheap. It's going to be good. You're going to get your full money here. Here we go. Number five, and we're going to start on the next four. You're to use your gifts and calling to build up the church <coughs> in love and in service. Yeah, God has invested certain gifts and calling in each one of you. You've been given special abilities. And you're to build up the church in love, and you're to serve one another. It starts here. Wow. That means you really matter. That means that the only thing, we sometimes think the only thing that matters in a church is what happens up on this stage. No. We've turned it around. What happens on the stage is a small part of what happens in the church on a Sunday morning. So many more things happen. Number six, live in harmony and unity and acceptance of one another. Wow, we get to practice that unity. Oh, you did? All right. We're going to have to work with that. I guess I'm going to have to practice forgiveness. Uh, that's right. So can you find that slide somewhere? Okay, we'll live with that. We'll live with that. We'll keep working. Number, <laughs> number seven. See, Jason knows that if he interrupts me, I'll go quicker. <laughs> You'll see it again in, in shorter forms. You know, I'm like that teacher who gives you everything and then says, oh, okay, here's the notes. You've taken notes, and now I'm going to hand them to you. No, I won't do that. But. So use your gifts and calling to build up the church in love and service. Got that one? Shorthand it. Shorthand it. Just write certain words, and you'll see it again. Number six, live in harmony, unity, and acceptance with one another. Yeah, it's true. I might be to blame. <laughs> Number seven, speak God's word of truth, encouragement into fellow believers' lives, and receive exhorting. Wow, you know, that's one of the most important ministries that we have for one another. The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians that we are to prophesy and not to forsake that, and we are to exhort one another. Man, I need you to speak into my life. You need me to speak into your life. We're to encourage, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, lest any of our hearts become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need encouragement. We need truth to be spoken into our lives. We become lopsided when we stay in an enclosed system. But as we come out into the church, and we allow ourselves to be known, and we know one another, we can speak the truth to one another. Look at you've been given gifts and a calling. You have a place to serve. Your love and your service matters. We need you. The world needs you. God is wanting to work through you. Be a part of that plan. But, but we know sometimes... You've gone in, and, and people used and abused you in the church. So you stepped out and said, I'm not going to deal with that nonsense. 
You're hurt. I get it. But what happens? The body of Christ suffers. Right? People don't grow or grow up. You don't grow and grow up. Nothing changes. Except for the fact that you get X'd out by the evil one who has carefully placed his pawns in the right place, and you're on the sidelines now, doing nothing that God's called you to do to build up the church. And you're missing in action. God does not intend that to be so. He really doesn't. So, I'm telling you, I've been hurt more, I would venture to say I've been hurt just as much as anybody else in, in this church in every other church I've ever been in. I'm still, still here, still loving, forgiving, still trying to practice those things, finding out how, how limited I am and how inflexible I can be at times about certain stuff so that I can grow and learn and change. So I'm a better version of Kelly than I would have been otherwise. Thank you very much, people. Thank you for that. And that's why I had seven children because I had to be, become more like Jesus. I needed help. So they pounded me into the image of Christ. And I'm thankful for it. Praise the Lord. Number eight. Sharp, well, I don't know if this is number eight or not for you. Number seven. All right. You're, you're to sharpen other believers. All right. Sharpen other believers and be sharpened by them. Man, do we need that. Greet one another. How do you greet if you're not present, right? You want to be present to greet? Well, I'll tell you what, I love the greeting of people. I want you to know those folks that are new with us today, your greetings were great. Thank you for greeting me. And, and I hope you felt good about my greeting you too. We're to care for one another. We're to serve one another. Again, some of these are overlap. We're to bear one another's burdens. That means not the small rocks. It's the bigger rocks in life that only us and other people can help us carry. We're to forgive one another again. We're to be patient with one another. That's a good one for some of us. Amen? Be patient with one another. We get to practice those things when we're in the church. Let's move to the next four, possibly. The next four. Number nine. Is it number nine? Experience the unique presence of Jesus in the midst of the church. The Bible has promised where two or more gather in my name, there am I in their midst. So churches can be small. But when you gather with other believers in a small group or you gather on a Sunday morning, you can be certain that Jesus is present in a unique way. I have found the Lord do mighty things in my own life. You have too. Because we, we didn't want to go to church, but we went anyhow, and we listened, and all of a sudden Jesus showed up and we saw him, and we changed. Where two or more gathered in my name, yeah, there I am in their midst. Praise the Lord for that. Number 10, we can readily and effectively pray for others and have them pray for us. James 5.16. It says, if any of you are sick, if any of you are having trouble, call on the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil and lay hands on you that you might be healed. There's an important thing that we can do as the church. 
other believers can play that role as well. And if we're not there, we're not praying for them. We're not playing that role. Number 11, honor God with your weekly and monthly tithe. We just had a couple messages on that a few, week, or a few weeks ago, if not a, a month or so ago. And we saw how important that was to practice that giving. And, and we gave testimony to the blessings that came from trusting God with that tithe. That tithe is his. He owns it. And he gives us everything in our lives, but he just says, hey, that 10% give back to me in honor of me. That's mine. The first fruits belong to me. Right? We're able to do that in the church. And what a blessing that is. And God pours his blessing on the rest. Doesn't matter how much you make, how little you make. Doesn't matter if you feel you're poor or rich. It's that obedience. And you get to do that when you're in a church. It, it calls you to that. And you're able to do that. You can grow in the grace of giving. And we've been called to grow in the grace of giving. To, to live generously and cheerfully. And, and we want to be that. And so what's awesome is we see people growing in that. Because we want to be generous. And we want to receive the blessings that our Lord and God promises us who tithe. And us who practice generosity with cheerfulness. There are blessings that come along with that. Those blessings are missed when you're not in church and you're outside of a church. Man, don't want to miss that. I would never want to be from out under that. Finally, be present with the family of God. Connect to the body of Jesus, the church. Obviously, if you're not here, you're not present with the family of God. Uh, I came from a family of seven, so we have seven. Uh, I can tell you that in our family, if you didn't show up for a family gathering or whatever, oh man, my mother was like, all right, okay, who do we need to get on the phone here? Because they're not here. Because everybody matters, and they do. We're a family, and we want to stay connected to that family. But we also, the second part of this is we want to be on mission and bringing others to salvation and into the kingdom of God. We're to be on mission to, to bring people to Jesus. But when people accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're saved not only to go to heaven, but they're saved to be a part of a family. They're saved to live in a kingdom. They're saved to do all these things that we say happen in the church as we gather and worship. They need to know that. So they're saved to be a part of that. And they're to be a light. They're to be a, a part of a city on a hill directing the lost to Christ. You can't be that city on a hill. One person does not constitute a city. Right? So as we gather, we become that city. We become that place. And, and it's, it's so serendipitous sometimes how God works. You don't ever know the role you might play in the life of another person in bringing them to Christ and then helping them take the next step in their walk with the Lord. We talked about the fact when our kids went on the mission trip, right, and they came up here and they were going, man, could not imagine how easy ministry is and how normal it is. You just take your opportunities. You get up in the morning, you wait on Jesus and say, okay, Lord, how do you want to use me today? And you listen for him. And, you, and then once you've spent time listening 
and, and connecting with the Lord, you then step forward and go do it. And do it in your everyday life. That's ministry 101. That's missions 101. That's what the church is to do. That's what we're to do every Sunday as we gather in his name. That's what we're to do in our small groups. We're to be the church. Man, we're to be on mission with Jesus. That's what we're to do, and that's what you've come to do when you've come here on a Sunday morning. I've given you 12 reasons why. These are just 12, and they're expanded reasons, right? They're super reasons. Um, but there's even more. We need to let our children know these things. We need to let, help each other know these things. We need to pray over these things for each other. We need to bring other people into this and let them know when they're new. This is why we've gathered. This is why we take the approach we do in service and in ministry. We try to keep it real, keep it honest. We, we try to remove the hype. We try to remove some of the other things that we make ministry about because it's about these things. They're relational, these things. They, they change us. They transform us. But see, here's the deal. We've got to get into the Word and find out what's connected to each one of these 12 things. Because the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And our minds are transformed through God's Word. So we've got to get into God's Word. We've got to spend time with it. We've got to remove the barriers that keep us from His Word. And we've got to do this on a daily basis. So finally, as I close, and I know some people are going, oh my God. Kelly's closing early. These are just a sample. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Paul wrote that in Hebrews, as is the custom of some. Don't do that. But know why you're gathering in the name of Jesus. Our obedience and our follow-through in faith, man, it makes all the difference in the world. It's the basis and foundation of our community. And it directly impacts our witness to the world. The world will look at us and go, man, they have something we need and we want. I know it did for me when I first came to Christ. And it came into the church. But I know the absence of it at times discouraged me in my walk with the Lord. And in my growth as a disciple. We're called to encourage each other by our examples. So I want you to stand with me this morning. Amen. I gave you these 12s. I'm going to go back and, and, and talk about them uh, in different ways. Um, because unfortunately, not everybody comes on any one given Sunday, do they? Isn't this a message that has to be heard by all and then practiced? So... You know that when you walk in through these doors, man, you don't come in passive anymore. Amen? You've got a lot going on within you. And a lot God wants to do through you, through his spirit. And he wants to use you, and he wants you to receive a lot, and he wants you to do a lot to build up this body every Sunday. Go back and reflect, reflect upon those 12 things. And ask God to give you more scriptures, and ask God to give you a more vision on how you're to grow in these things. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body, which is the body of Jesus on earth.
your people. We want to be your witness. We want to be your family. We want to worship you. And we want to know not just that we're supposed to do this, but we want to know why. And we just thank you for your word showing us why. And, and we know that some of this stuff is just maybe brand new for some of us. So God, get us into your word. Get us into conversations with others that we might be transformed into your image, Lord Jesus. That we might be able to understand how we are to love one another. Um, and have your word define it, not just our feelings. God, we want to live on mission with you and know that we haven't missed it. So bless us, Lord. And then, God, this morning, we just want to lift up our next week at Vacation Bible School and our participation in just serving our younger disciples, our children, and serving the families that might come for the very first time. God, bless them all. Give them a great gift. God, use us to love them. Use us to be your light and your witness. God, bring us together and create even tighter relationships and unity through this time of service together. God, keep us safe, free from injury. Um, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. And just may uh, we be able to rejoice over the fruit and over the things that happened this week. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So great to have you here this morning. Hey, before you leave, you can help us with something. I didn't just preach this message so you would help us, but <laughs> I, I want you to if you can. We want to move all of our chairs out of here because we're going to have a big shindig this week. So.